Titan spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know flat earthers, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. This is not a test. This is your emergency broadcast system. Hello and welcome to the... 70th annual subliminal deception podcast your weekly dose of conspiracy theory bullshit my name is cody and driven by my pal phil how are you doing good buddy how about yourself not doing too bad just enjoying a nice lazy sunday uh those are always my favorite how about you oh yeah i'm uh i actually have three-day weekends uh, as it is right now and sundays i always dread a little bit because all i can think about is going back to work but those yeah. are my more productive days. <laughs> yeah, that'll happen. You know what? I want to bring up something before we talk about the two subjects we went to in the beginning here. You are a fan of John Oliver, right? Yes. Uh, so do you still watch him? I watch every like Monday after I get off work. I watch what his uh, last week was from so, like Sunday. So did you watch his latest one about the conspiracies? I believe I did. When did it come out? Uh, I think like the 20th maybe or something. So a little okay, while yeah, ago. But he brought up a quote on there that really struck me, and it, it's really relevant to the conspiracy world, is the psychology behind people believing that a big event in the world requires a big explanation. And it's just like, if you really think about all these conspiracies we talk about, essentially, that's kind of what they all boil down to, right? Yeah, I have I have heard that before, and I do believe I've seen that episode. It just like I I don't know. It just like every if you really think about it, and uh, all these topics we discuss, yeah, they're big things that happen or big mysterious events, but they don't always need this ginormous explanation to explain what actually happened. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's brought up a lot with nine eleven and the JFK assassination. How people feel like. There needs to be a bigger explanation. Yeah. And sometimes there just isn't. I mean, that's just, just how it goes. But speaking of that, we need our Ghislaine update, Phil. Yeah. So about Ghislaine Maxwell. So I heard from a news story this week that she's living in a pretty shitty prison right now, awaiting her trial, which is set to be in uh, 2021. Apparently, she's wearing paper clothing so that she can't kill herself with it, allegedly. She's also, they're thinking that she may have copies of the videos and photographs that will be incriminating like some of the higher profile people. Right now, I don't believe she's talking. I would assume they have to have some sort of plea bargain or something, right? I, I would assume. Yeah, I. she would definitely give that stuff up in order to keep herself out of prison for the full term that they could give her. I imagine she'd be hunting for a, the best deal. I mean, yeah, someone as rich as rich and powerful as she is, she's going to get some lawyers who can negotiate a little bit. But, uh, man, won't that be amazing if she does release everybody that was on his... what Basically, who's was partaking in the pedophile ring, right? 
Yeah, if she re- like releases all of the videos and photos that she has from all of the clients of uh, Epstein, and I mean, what is it the like the pedo island and the the airplane? Yeah, is the things? yeah the uh, I mean, there's definitely pictures of Epstein and well-known celebrities, including the literal president of the United States. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure there's been some uh, notable people who have been on that island. Yeah, I think the biggest ones I've seen are Prince Andrew and Bill Clinton are the ones they talk about a lot. Oh, yikes. Well, I guess uh, hopefully she'll be uh, releasing some of that information or whatever. Now, the other thing I wanted to talk about, it's a little more lighthearted, I guess, was I saw that China... Is has successfully launched their ship with a rover headed to Mars, which I think is interesting. And then I found out that uh, United Emirates has sent their ship up there as well with a rover. So what's going on on Mars? Yeah, I think so. United Arab Emirates, they have a shit ton of money. Obviously, China also does. And it is good. Everyone's kind of always worried about is there going to be a race to Mars? I think that's only... Mars is a pretty big fucking planet that has a lot of room to set up colonies. So I don't think we need to just plant the NATO flag there or the UN flag there. There's enough room for everybody. Uh, Isn't Mars... It's smaller than Earth, right? Yes. Okay. But I'm just saying, what if, like, turning the conspiracy brain on, what if there... All these countries knew something big catastrophic was going to happen to Earth, so they're like trying to get to Mars to save their own asses or something. I mean, it's it's a great plot for a movie. It yeah. is possible. And unfortunately, by the time that happens, we're not going to have Bruce Willis or anybody else from Armageddon to go up there and save us, so we're going to be in trouble. Yeah, hopefully some of the people who are supposed to be saving us don't just go to college to get into finance. And make money. Hopefully, there's still some smart people, you know, getting into space and figuring out these fucking all the shit that could go wrong. You know what? You know what else? Uh, Do you remember that young girl that they're training to be the first person to colonize Mars? When is her flight supposed to be? I think it was like 20. Was it in the 2020s somewhere? Or was it in 2030s? I didn't hear about her. I heard that a few years ago they had an open call for like middle, not exactly young people. It was couples who were in their like early 30s to 40s that had lived long enough on Earth and were willing to die on Mars because it's not a return trip. It's, it's you go there. Was Matt Damon one of them? No, I do not believe he was one of them. <laughs> He's going to grow potatoes there. Uh, yeah, but what I heard it was... It was this really young girl, and they've been basically training her since she was a young child to send her there to, like, colonize it. Is she some kind of, like, a genius? Yeah, or? basically. Oh. So, well. I I don't know. I don't know. But, I mean, I don't know about you, but when I grew, grew up, I always wanted to be Ripley from Aliens, so maybe I'll <laughs> get to experience that before I die. It's, it's not very good to, like, you have to let someone live their life and then make that decision you can't make them make that decision when they're a child especially because of circumstances like she's a genius well okay she's still a human being she's gonna change her mind a million times 
by the time that rocket takes off. So, well, I mean, I think she it, it is like she wants to do it. She's well, like she obsessed wants to do it with right it. Now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I don't know. Maybe she. I mean, she'd be pretty famous if she got up there and like she's the person who started Mars or whatever. Yeah, I think the smartest thing to do would be just to send robots first to set the place up. Well, like, you don't want to do that. Then they're gonna like set up a anti-human colony and then they're gonna be they can advance a lot faster than us and then come back and take us over also the plot of a great sci-fi movie yeah. i don't think they would be sentient <laughs> you don't know that you don't know what bezos has got in his closet here that's true anyway phil you go ahead and take the reins lead us into this week's conspiracy so i wanted to like i said last week get back into the conspiracy uh, not so much history. So for many, the dream of winning the lottery, more specifically, a nine-figure multi-million dollar lottery jackpot is the ultimate fantasy, no longer having to worry about their personal responsibilities, such as the ability to pay bills, buy needed food and services, or saving for a comfortable retirement. For many winners, however, this fantasy can quickly turn into a nightmare often ending up bankrupt and in ruin just a few short years after winning what would have been more money than they could have earned in several lifetimes, seemingly overnight. Yeah, that's kind of the sad truth of it, isn't it? Oh, definitely. I always thought, I had heard, if you get $3 million, you put it in a savings thing and live off the interest of that. Like you get like three grand a month or something in interest. So you just kind of live off of that. Yeah. If you, if you won, say like five to $10 million and just threw it in a normal savings account and you could live off that interest, like it'd be your monthly income. You could live a life like we live, but you'd have millions of dollars making money for you. Yeah. I mean, I would be more than happy with that. The problem is all of a sudden you realize after a few months, I've got all this money. Maybe I'll buy a little here and a little there. And then it would snowball. Yeah, that's true. You have really good integrity to stick with it. Yeah, and plus, all the people I've heard that just like, you win the lottery and then all of a sudden everybody's trying to fucking sue you. I've always heard that. Yes, yeah, definitely. And people come in just to beg, beg and beg, or trying to steal money from you, giving you bad Financial advice, all of that stuff, too. <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden, your 17th cousin from Romania is going to show up at your door and say, Hey, long house relative, how are you? I've got this great idea for a restaurant. <laughs> I can't, if I won the lottery, I can't have a herd of Norwegians showing up at my door claiming that they're my relatives. I can't have it. Oh, yeah, that, that happens to a lot of these people. <laughs> so for the most part, the fantasy of winning it big is better than the reality. As a common person, couldn't imagine how coming into that much money could damage every aspect of their lives. And that is why today we will be discussing the curse of the lottery. Oh, okay. Now, you covered the racket of the lottery, kind of, on a previous episode, correct? Yes. Uh, quite a long time ago, yeah. like last year, we covered <laughs> the lottery a scam. Yeah, we've came a long way since then. Oh, yeah. That's... Much better show now. <laughs> <laughs> according to us, according to some well, of uh, 
Uh, some of the some of the reviewers say yes. You've you've gotten better. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe that is a sign that we've gotten better. That we've attracted trolls. True. <laughs> Keep them coming, and angry people. Oh yeah, <laughs> the people with pitchforks and torches are at our door. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, they're small people. It's okay. So put on by the federal government, national and state lotteries are prevalent throughout the United States and most countries around the world, considered vital for certain government programs to function. These lotteries are considered by many to be a tax on the poor. Oh, really, Phil? I've never heard that before. Yeah, I've heard it in a few different videos and articles while I was researching this. Basically, it's geared towards the fantasy of not having like the poor lifestyle that a lot of these people who play currently live in. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's kind of the uh, allure of gambling, right? Yes. Yeah, for especially with the big jackpots, like money you couldn't even imagine. So this is because of the different types of games played and the amount of money that each of these different types are paying out, with the lower class buying lower jackpots and higher chance winning games, mostly scratchers. It has people with more money buying the higher jackpot tickets with the idea of winning a few thousand dollars, not very enticing as much as the multi-million dollar jackpots. Okay, so, but generally from scratchers, you don't win that much money. I mean, you win money, but not like millions. No, you don't win that much money. That's the point of it. You can still win a little bit of money and keep playing. Right. So so say you buy $20 worth of scratchers and you win $15 back. You can then spend that $15 maybe winning like the chance to win like $2,000. With lottery tickets for the multi-million dollars, you don't have that chance. You spend $10 on tickets, you get nothing back unless you win like 20,000. There isn't really a chance to win like your money back like with scratchers. Yeah, that yeah, that's true. That's true. It's kind of like a winner takes all kind of thing. Yes. But the thing is once the jackpot gets to be enough, it's enticing for some of the poorer people to really start playing the the higher powerball multi-million jackpots also. I mean, I've fallen prey to that too. You know, it gets really big and you're like, well, fuck, it's only $2 I'm investing and you might as well throw your chance in there. Yeah. Well, I mean, $2, really, you can buy a soda from the convenience store and that's $2. So it's something you kind of just throw away. I doubt to sound like an old man, but goddamn, is pop that expensive right now? I I haven't bought, I haven't, I don't drink pop anymore and I don't think I've bought one in fucking years. But I, I don't drink yeah, I don't drink soda anymore, but I know when I used to, it was up to $2. Jesus, for 20 ounce. Yeah, for Yikes. a 20 ounce. Jesus Christ. Yeah, water too is really expensive now. It's yeah. for some of the bigger bottles. Like I used to buy some of the nicer, not just like Aquafina, all of that. And that was like almost 250 and I thought that was expensive. <laughs> now the big bottles of Aquafina are like almost $3. Yeah. We need to, like, retrain the population to just filter water at their house and, like, use a refillable jug. Yeah. Well, the water coming out of my faucet here in Arizona is so fucking bad. You can't well, even you, drink it. Is why you got a filter. You get one of those little pure, 
pure water filter thingies. The problem is those filters, they can't handle the water from here, and they go bad after only 20 gallons. Yikes. Okay. All right. Don't drink water in Arizona, then. Yeah. It's got a lot of minerals in it. So for the most part, though, winners of the large jackpots tend to be poor with little knowledge of how to manage their newly won wealth responsibly and where they should invest such a massive sum of money. These seemingly lucky people can get caught up in their new lifestyle, spending what they thought was an endless supply of money, only to find out that without proper investment, that money can run out, with the winners ending up worse off than they were when they thought they were originally broke. Yeah, it's like we said, man, the bloodsuckers will be coming for you. Yeah. Like that, like the, (laughs) what I mean is like the huckster investors and people like that will tell you to do one thing, which is actually only going to benefit them and then probably hurt you in the end. Yeah, the problem is before they won the money or when they actually had the money, they had no idea what a fiduciary was and they needed a lawyer, why they needed a firm behind them. A lot of these people just think like, oh, my cousin Eddie, he runs money for some company and they give it to them, you know, like here, they employ their family to do all of their money shit for them. I just picture it's like, can you call up Cousin Eddie? He's the only son bitch I know who can use that goddamn TurboTax software. I bet he can help out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it usually ends up being somebody's, somebody will come into your life and they'll end up, it, this happens a lot with like sports players. Someone in their family will come in and kind of try to be like a guiding light for this person. But then it'll be only just trying to get like the nepotism to get all of the other family members jobs sucking off of this one person who's got the money. Uh, Yeah, that's the sad truth. I mean, athletes, man, some of their stories are just multimillionaires and they're just broke. It's just sad. Yeah, if you watch, actually, it's the 30 for 30 for called broke. That's like some fucking heartbreaking stories. Yeah, and I guess if you, you know, you're a lower income person, you get all that money and it kind of, you don't know what to do with yourself. Yeah, especially when everyone's hand comes out Mm. and you grew up with these people. Now you happen to have money and everyone's pretending like they couldn't survive without your money. So I say, just change your name and move away. Exactly. Move to where people have money. I'm going to get into how the experts tell you to intelligently invest and intelligently like what you should do. And that's one of them is move away, move away from your old neighborhood, all your old friends, and just forget about a lot of them. (laughs) I mean, that's cold as shit, but I guess if you don't want to end up, I mean, I hate to say it, but a lot of these stories I've heard end up in suicide. That's true. Mm. But there's a lot of other stories, which I'm just about to get into where people really should have taken some of this advice. So have you ever heard of David Lee Edwards? No. Is he in a Van Halen cover band? Close. So (laughs) in in August of 2001, David Lee Edwards split a $280 million Powerball jackpot between three other winners, taking a lump sum of $41 million, which was about $27 million after taxes. So quite a bit of money still. Wait, hold on. He won 
280 million and split it three ways and they still took four ways. Four, oh, four ways. Okay, okay. All right. Yeah, wait. I'll, ex- I'll explain okay, that. Okay, a okay, okay, okay. So it's $280 million split four ways. He took the lump sum, oh. which is less money than if he would have taken it in annuities. Got or in you. Stock. Yes, okay. Yes, yes. So basically, it got cut down when they split it. It got cut down when he took the lump sum, and it got cut down after taxes. Okay, I thought the lump sum was after the tax. No, the lump sum is before the taxes. Gotcha. They need to do what England does, and just the money that they say you're going to win is what you're going to win. In Eng- Yeah, in England, they take the taxes out before they announce the jackpot. So say it's $280 million before taxes. They would take taxes out. And then they would say, okay, $170 million jackpot or pound jackpot. Yeah, okay. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, they should do that, though. It's kind of deceptive. Yeah, I I don't like it. I was blown away when I was over there with you. And like I saw that, and I'm like, Jesus, why don't we do that? I guess it, it we're creating the illusion it's more money than it actually is. Yes. And a lot of the people who are buying these tickets don't understand taxes at all. Yeah, that's true. So Edwards had spent much of his life in prison and at the time of winning was unemployed, living with his girlfriend, Shauna. He had bought the tickets after borrowing money from a friend to pay the water bill. He also bought a pizza and spent $7 on Powerball tickets. After claiming his prize, Edwards did hire a financial investor who had advised him to invest the money in stocks and bonds and claimed that if David followed his advice, he would be making about $85,000 a month in interest paid out by those investments. Edwards, however, didn't take that advice and would eventually end up selling the investments that his financial advisor had purchased for him. Jesus, I guess he needed that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that uh, limit, limited edition 1980s Firebird that bad, huh? Yeah, he might have actually <laughs> bought one. He ended up, you'll hear in a second what he bought, but okay. it's like, you cannot imagine just, you might as, he might as well have just burnt money in a fucking fireplace while oh. he was going through it. The, in my mental image of this guy is literally Kid Rock from Joe Dirt. Kid Rock <laughs> from Joe Dirt, but cut his hair and do like a haircut. Like oh, he was he about to come on TV winning money. He doesn't have a mullet. No, he doesn't. Damn he it. had got more cut pretty okay. good, pretty well for the for the the, the prize giving. <laughs> so after winning, he and his girlfriend got married, bought a one point six million dollar mansion in Palm Springs, Florida, a dozen expensive cars, including a Lamborghini Diablo worth over two hundred thousand dollars, and a Learjet with a full time pilot to take him back and forth between Florida and the Kentuck, Kentucky. No, no way. Yep. God damn. Couldn't he, he just, only, what's that? Couldn't he have just bought like one of those planes, like from the, the rescuers, like the boat planes that is like held together with duct tape. I mean, it's probably a lot cheaper. He would have been better off just chartering whenever he wanted to go back and forth and saved more money. God damn. Ah. I'll be, I'll be op- I'll be completely honest here. If I won the lottery, the one thing I would spend the money on is I would definitely buy a nice house. 
But the cars and stuff, I don't I don't really need any of that. Yeah, if I bought well, we're getting into this a little bit like last time. If I think we mentioned this before, if I won that lottery, I would probably just buy a nice two story, four bedroom, a decent car. And then when my neighbors asked me what I did, I would say internet stuff, like selling <laughs> computers or something. I would literally lie about my job saying like, yeah, I'm just a cocaine mule. That's all. <laughs> I'm. It's it's not, you know, the benefits aren't great, but they pay pretty well. You ever do cocaine? You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> then just point to your ass. <laughs> <laughs> so it is estimated that Edwards spent $12 million in the first year after winning the $27 million Jesus, he just pissed that away. One of the things that he bought was a Hummer golf cart for his daughter to get around his gated community after paying her mother $500,000 to gain custody of her. You really don't need a Hummer golf cart, dude. You can get, I think a regular golf cart is fucking like $200 or $300. Well, remember the golf cart that I had at my house growing up that we used to tear up the yard in? Hell yeah. Yeah, that thing was not expensive. Well, it was probably expensive when it first came out, but it was like 25 years old when my grandpa actually like bought it. Well, that uh, my my parents have two of them on their farm, and I know they wouldn't spend a lot of money on them. I'm sure they're, I'm pretty sure they were like two to three hundred dollars. Yeah, they wouldn't spend thirty grand. Oh my! For, Is that how much that thing was? Yeah, it's. I think it said thirty k. Jesus Christ. Yikes. And this was back in like 2001. Jesus. Couldn't he just get her a goddamn like 86 Firebird to drive her on instead? He bought her that because she didn't yet have her license. Get her her a moped then. Yeah, something. So Edwards also outfitted his mansion with over 200 pieces of medieval battle armor and swords, with most of them being cheap reproductions. If you're spending that much, you might as well get the real thing. Exactly. And I imagine for the reproductions, he probably paid way more than he should have. Well, yeah, I'm assuming he just, he assumed that the Honeywell was never going to dry up. Yeah, probably just brought a briefcase full of money and threw fucking cash at the dude. <laughs> I, well, you know what? I'm guessing the strip clubs around there really liked him. Yeah, there's a there's another dude that I'm going to talk about who also loved the strip clubs. <laughs> Hell yeah. So David Edwards and his now wife, Shauna, were also drug addicts, which is something that they brought on before their lottery winnings. They would eventually catch hepatitis from dirty needles and have several run-ins with the law, with Shauna spending a lot of time in rehab for drug addiction. Oh, goddamn. Okay, yeah, you don't want to get rich if you have a drug problem. Yeah, that's one of the problems is... Everyone thinks that money's going to solve their problems. Really, all that money just heightens the problems you already had. If he was smart, he would have paid somebody to lock him in like a cell for three days to get kick his habit or something. Yeah, well, the problem <laughs> is a lot of these people don't actually think they have a drug problem. They thought they had a money problem, would not be able to buy groceries and drugs. Now they can buy as much as both, so they have no problem. Yeah, that that's actually a very good point. Yeah. So after less than five years, all of the $27 million, along with the mansion and cars, were gone. Shauna ended up leaving David. David Lee Edwards was left to live in a filthy storage container, living in his own feces. 
He eventually died in 2013 in hospice care, penniless, owing thousands of dollars to various friends who had lent him money. Holy shit, that guy's life took a fucking downward spiral. Holy crap. Yeah. In less than five years, he went from having like what you could live 20 lifetimes and never have to work with as much money as he had. And then he was just penniless, left his daughter nothing. I mean, okay, so I'm assuming the house thing is they can repossess it if he doesn't continue to pay property taxes. I'm assuming, right? Yes. I know I've heard a lot of like celebrities and stuff. They, when they don't, they get a house like that, they don't really pay for the whole thing. They like partially pay for it or something like that. That's why they always get them repossessed when they don't, or they get broke. But I would assume he would he would he would have bought it flat out. Yeah, a lot of people think that when they see these celebrities or pro athletes, they see the houses that they're living in, they think, oh yeah, fucking who is it? You know, Adrian Peterson made millions of dollars. Of course, he just paid cash for it. A lot of them don't. A lot of them basically put a down payment on it and then have to make payments like everyone else. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. This poor That's a poor son of a bitch right there. Yeah, and then you end up in a Nicolas Cage situation where you're no longer doing these main feature films. You're doing straight-to-DVD fucking shit boxes. I would bet he makes a decent living doing that, though. Yeah, he probably does now, but didn't he lose all of his, like, his mansions and cars and shit? Yeah, but I think he had alcohol and other problems i mean one of his houses had a whole fucking t-rex skeleton inside of it like all right nick (laughs) i know it fits you because you're kind of wacky but you don't really need that he's like mike tyson he just hates money (laughs) 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 now now mike tyson's on goddamn shark week commercials yeah, Mike Tyson, he's actually thinking about getting back into fighting. He's uh, he's he's in shape now, though. Yeah, he's he's a little bit past his prime. Well, he's obviously going to box other past their prime people. He's not going after Floyd Mayweather. You know what is, fu- what is funny? I literally had a dream like a few nights ago that Mike Tyson and Floyd Mayweather were fighting each other. Yeah, I can't remember who it is, but he's in discussions with the other like retired boxer. They're going to have like a six round match. I think it might be like one of the sugars. I wish it was Holyfield. Oh yeah. (laughs) The old uh, cheating bastard. Get another ear bite out of him. You know what? They brought up a good point that Holyfield was headbutting him that whole fight. So good. He bit his fucking ear off. I've, I've seen that documentary It is pretty good. Yeah. So another aspect of winning the lottery that most people wouldn't worry about beforehand is how it would affect their relationships with everyone that they knew, even the relationship with their closest family members. That much money can turn even the best relationships sour, pitting family members against each other, either for a share of the money or out of the jealousy for the winner. Yeah, I've uh, I've definitely witnessed this in my own family, and I have seen it happen to other people's families. Yeah, money definitely sours relationships pretty quick. So have you ever heard of Jeffrey Dampier? Okay, now this guy is definitely doing an air supply cover band. <laughs> definitely. So I uh, <laughs> actually I thought this was a basketball player uh-huh. just because there's another guy who has a similar name. So. Oh, okay. In 1996, 
Jeffrey Dampier and his wife won $20 million from the Illinois State Lottery. Soon after, the couple divorced and split the money equally. Jeffrey soon began dating and eventually married his new girlfriend, Crystal Jackson, and the two moved to Tampa Bay, Florida. Oh, the, and, the, the best city in the country. Hell yeah, the land of chickens, apparently. Yeah, just the <laughs> moving to Florida again, just the worst fucking idea. I mean, if you're old and rich, it's a good place to go die, but I don't know. How, <laughs> I, how old are these people? Uh, they are in their mid-20s, I believe. Oh, they're not, they're not very old when they when they win the lottery. I don't think they liked each other very much to start with if they divorced right away. Oh, yeah. Well, so he met Crystal Jackson. I'm not sure if he if they were going out during the marriage, but they got divorced pretty quick mm. after they won that money. So I mean, maybe they were like separated or whatever, and then they had the money to actually fulfill the divorce. Yeah, that's a problem with a lot of poor people is they can't afford to get divorced. Then when they win the money, they're just gone. Like yeah. immediately. Split. Yeah, it shouldn't cost more money to get divorced than it does to get married. Oh, yeah. It should be just honestly, if you both have nothing, it should be just like a girlfriend and boyfriend breaking up. Just split up the shit and then just go to the courthouse and sign a piece of paper. I do. I do understand, though, that. If you've had a long relationship or whatever, and you both have accumulated a lot of shit, obviously it gets a lot more complicated at that point. Yeah, but if you're both broke, I mean, one person gets the fucking bad TV, one person gets the slightly less bad TV. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. So Dampier began spending a lot of the money and supporting both his and his new wife's family, including moving Crystal's two sister to Florida to be near them after they had fallen on tough times. Now, besides supporting Crystal's sister, he also began a relationship with her younger sister, Victoria Jackson. Victoria was also dating a man named Nathaniel Jackson. Wait, the, who wasn't her husband? Yes. So Dampier <laughs> got married to Crystal. They moved Crystal's two sisters out to Florida. He began a relationship with Crystal's younger sister, Victoria. But you said Victoria Jackson, but that sister was dating someone with the same last name that she had? Yeah, it's a little confusing. So they both have this, the last name Jackson. Shouldn't they be worried that they could be related somehow? I don't think so, because she moved to Florida from somewhere else. I, Jackson's I, a pretty common last name. I don't care where you are in the world. If there is a girl with the same last name as me... I am not dating them. Well, you have a weird last name. Yeah, I <laughs> guess. You have weird last names. If I meet another person named... <laughs> we'll probably relate. Yeah. I, I just... I, I don't know. I'd be sketched out by it. But if your last name was Smith, you'd be like, oh, that's weird. There's, we might be related, but probably not. Let's maybe do a DNA test or something, and then we'll kind of go from there. Yeah. These were kind of... Uh, people you might see on Maury. So I don't think they're going to be doing DNA <laughs> tests unless they hop on that show. I was going to say that it reminds me of an episode of Maury where like people are lovers and then they find out they're actually siblings separated at birth or whatever. And then they keep being married with each other. Yeah. <laughs> so when Nathaniel, who was Victoria Jackson's boyfriend, found out about Dampier's lottery winnings, 
he hatched a plan to get his hands on some of that money that he believed Jeffrey Dampier had won back in 1996. And on July 26, 2005, after Victoria came to Nathaniel's apartment, he demanded that Victoria lure Jeffrey over to his place by claiming that she needed his help with car problems that she told him that she was having. Okay. I, I have a bad feeling about what's to ha- what's going to happen next. Yeah, this actually could be an episode on your guys' show. Oh, so yeah. when Jeffrey showed up, Nathaniel pulled a shotgun on him. He and Victoria forced him into Nathaniel's van, bound his feet and hands with shoelaces. Now with Victoria driving the van, Nathaniel repeatedly hit Jeffrey Dampier in the back of the head, demanding that he hand over the money. But Dampier refused, and eventually, Victoria moved to the back seat of the van to try and reason with Jeffrey while Nathaniel drove. Jesus, okay. Now, after trying to convince Dampier to give up the money, Nathaniel handed over the shotgun, telling Victoria, Either you shoot him, or I'll shoot you. Victoria put the shotgun to the back of Jeffrey's head and shot him once in the back of the skull. The two drove the van out to an abandoned road and left Jeffrey Dampier's in the van, where it was soon discovered. A few days later, Nathaniel and Victoria were arrested. Oh, Jesus. Well, a direct shotgun blast to the back of the head. I can't imagine there's much left of him, but uh, man, Jesus, how... How did these two dummies think they were going to get his money? It's not like he is carrying around millions of dollars in his wallet. Well, they they were hoping that they could convince him to go withdraw some money or go grab some money. I'm thinking that's what they were thinking. A lot of people think that, like on that on that show Broke, they were saying that people who ask these athletes for the money, they think that they just have a fucking crate of money sitting in their living room yeah it generally doesn't work like that i mean in hindsight i guess i would have told him okay i'll go get you some money and then when you go to a bank just run away as fast as you can get help yeah i have heard reports and like shows on like the financial like articles and shit like that like you would be surprised how many people don't have bank accounts and just use cash for everything like i i couldn't believe when i heard because I, I figured just everyone had a bank account. I, it's not a safe way to live. No, definitely not. Like our old friend Jimmy, when he got, I believe he got his taxes back, he just kept it in his wallet just for a couple of weeks because he was between banks. And I was like, dude, you can't have that much money on you. But, you know. <laughs> That's what happens when your financial advisor is a squirrel. Like he just, <laughs> you don't want to listen to them. They say That's you true. just you just put it on your person and you'll find it eventually. Nothing will happen to it. Yeah. So Victoria's defense counsel claimed that she was actually the victim and that Jeffrey Dampier and Victoria's relationship began when she was only 15 years old. Also, that Nathaniel had forced Victoria to lure Jeffrey to the apartment and threatened her with death if she did not shoot him in the back of the head. Ah, I don't know. If she's got the gun, she's kind of got the power there. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking, too. Uh, Victoria also claimed that Jeffrey Dampier would forgive her and understand her for what she had done if he had been there that day in in court. 
I yeah, I don't know. Shotgun blast to the back of the head. I don't know if you're just gonna be. This isn't a Catholic confessional booth. I don't know if he's gonna just forget about yeah. it. Yeah, the court didn't think so. Also, both Nathaniel and Victoria were sentenced to life in prison. I mean, I, I truly coming from a, the true crime world, this literally sounds like two people who didn't understand that their robbery and murder, they're not going to get away with it. And he's not going to just have piles of cash for him to hand over. Yeah. I don't really think that murder was the original plan though. I don't really know how they thought they were going to get away with it. It's not like Jeffrey didn't know them. He knew them both very well, but that's what I'm saying. I'm assuming they're younger people and you know, younger criminals generally are kind of dumb yeah <laughs> so but uh yeah that oh god that's a very sad story for this guy you know i mean it, in that case it didn't necessarily sound like he was blowing all his money he just unfortunately got involved with the absolute wrong people he really shouldn't have been having an affair with a 16 year old <laughs> sister of his new wife that's terrible but i mean he was using the money on his family he wasn't exactly using it on himself as much as like the first people we were talking about. Yeah, right. But I mean, again, bad, bad luck. You get that money, you know, bad, bad thing happened or the bad thing happened, you know, for him trying to help out his family. Yeah, it's definitely why we were talking about move away, change your name, get new friends who already had money. It's one <laughs> of those situations. I don't know if I like people who already have money, though. They don't That's always seem very nice. I I can't stand being around. I've told you this before. I can't stand being around really poor people or really rich people. Both of them only talk about money. I can't stand that shit. <laughs> so let's just say you don't care about their standing in society. You just don't want to talk about money all the time. Oh, yeah. I'd rather talk about fucking either like, you know, shit that interests me. Conspiracies, true crime, science, <laughs> history, all that shit. Oh, I don't okay. give a about oh. what you're driving. You <laughs> oh, know? so you like crazy people like like I do. Weirdos. Yeah, I'm a I'm a weirdo person. Yeah. I like weirdos. We like weirdos, I'm yeah. Weirdo <laughs> so jealousy of a family member winning the lottery is one thing. But what happens when a married couple win who already most likely were on the brink of divorce or possibly having it out in court at the time of the win? Now we mentioned just in our previous story that they were probably on the brink of divorce, but they had a very amicable divorce and just split the money. In February of 2003, 77-year-old Kenneth Parker and his wife, 74-year-old Connie Parker, won a $25 million jackpot, which was paid $8,590,777 after taxes to them. Oh, that, I mean, they did they each get that amount or just one of them? For both of them. They... Obviously, that was the money paid to them after taxes. They both won this money. I mean, Jesus. They were a married couple. I, Jesus Christ. Like uh, how you, you know, foreshadowed there. You're 70, high 70s, dude. Just like, what's the point of a divorce at that point? Oh, I'll kind of, I'll get into it in okay, a second. Okay. There is reason why. Oh, okay. So the, so the couple had married in 1987 and both had children from previous marriages. They didn't have much money and spent what little they did have on lottery tickets, both dreaming about winning the jackpot and what that would do for themselves and their families. 
However, it turned out that the reality of a win wouldn't include Kenneth in Connie's future, as she kicked her longtime husband out of their condo in June of 2003, refusing to include him in the winnings. It's got to be weird kicking your elderly husband out and you're like, get out of here, you son of a bitch. And then he has to take that little, um, <laughs> what's the stair thing? You sit on the chair and it slowly goes down. Oh, you always yeah. see it in those old movies. Yeah, get yeah. out of here, you son of a bitch. And it's just like, it's slowly going down. Yeah. yeah, hell yeah. So Kenneth claims that Connie had been planning on cutting him out of the money from the very start. He had noticed that only her name was on the winning lottery ticket, the condo that they had just purchased, and the bank accounts that the winnings were funneled into also only had Connie's name on them. Oh, that's not good. Not good at all. He believed that Connie was trying to cut out his five children from his previous marriage out of the money after he died. That is not Connie. What are you up to, Connie? Yeah. Kenneth claimed that he gave Connie the $20 to buy the ticket that day, but Connie claims that she used her own assets to purchase that ticket. Now, Connie's lawyer, who I assume is a silver-haired middle-aged man, made the (laughs) statement that his client's husband's allegations were a total mischaracterization of her and that she was anguished by his allegations and made no further comment on the matter. Wow. Okay. Well, I mean... From what you've said right now, uh, even though we probably know what happened, as far as court law's gonna see, the paper trail's all for her. Yes, definitely. (laughs) So the couple had signed a prenuptial agreement when they got married back in 1987, and both attorneys claim that that prenup worked for their respective side with Connie's attorneys claiming that the prenup states that the couple only gets the assets that they purchased before and during the marriage. And Kenneth's lawyers claimed that the prenup doesn't cover the gambling winnings at all. Okay, all right. So both sides are trying to claim that their client used their own assets to buy that ticket, basically. Mm, Yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, that's (laughs) what the lawyers are going to try to be fighting for. A few months after winning the jackpot, Connie filed for divorce, and Kenneth sued her for his rightful half of the winnings, claiming that he was cheated by his estranged wife. In October 2003, Judge Anthony Falanga ordered that half of the $8 million payout be frozen, which was a victory for Kenneth, as this would help to preserve the money before she would have the ability to hide it. Okay, I didn't see that coming, so all right, good job there, Judge. Yeah, looks like the the dude in these situations usually gets screwed over, but looks like he actually got something in his favor. In October 2003, Connie would make her first public statement, claiming that it was Kenneth who had left her, and he also cleared out her safety deposit box, taking their bank book, her passport, and her birth certificate, along with other legal documents. Did he actually do that? I am not exactly sure. That's just what she claimed Hmm. in her statement. I mean, if he did, that's not very nice, Kenneth. No. So Kenneth ended up with about a third of the winnings after they finally settled out. Kenneth Parker was suffering from lung cancer at the time, and he died in February 2004. So he believed that that's the reason why she was taking all this money from him, 
because she knew that he was going to die eventually. And she didn't want any of that money going to his children, just hers. I mean, that's kind of sad, honestly. Yeah, very greedy, you know. Yeah, it's poor Kenneth there. I mean, logically speaking, I would assume if they were a married couple, they probably agreed to split the earnings and then the money came and then... God, what a tangled mess, especially you're that fucking old. Like, sounds like a bitter way to go out. Yeah, well, it's kind of weird. I could see if they were married for a few years and she had barely known like his kids, but she had known his kids for they had been married for what? 2003, 87 for like 16 years. She probably knew all of them before that. That's like a 20 year relationship that she was just cutting them out of. Yeah, I I mean, it could be a situation where she was an evil stepmom. I mean, if she was willing to do all this stuff, maybe she wasn't nice to start with. But again, we're speculating. It's really hard to say. But I'm assuming in the end, Kenneth's grandchildren or children or whatever got at least some of the money. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure like what his will gave out to his children. But I would assume that if they had finalized their divorce, then the money would have filtered down to his own kids. But then I guess maybe the curse passes on to his kids. That's true. Yeah. He did have five kids. So maybe they all fought over that little bit of the $8 million that got cut into thirds. Yeah, I'm sure they did. I got taxed the fuck out of. I'm sure they did. Yeah. So the crazy thing about this is that in my research, I actually found an obituary uh, of a Connie K parentheses, Steely Parker. The problem was she was from Illinois and she actually died in 2020. Uh, She was married to a Kenneth Parker. They got married in the late eighties also. I actually thought this was her, but then I realized that it was way too young to be Connie because she had died in her mid-70s, but in 2020. Yeah, okay, yeah. Maybe if you're a Connie, you're just destined to marry a Kenneth. Maybe that's the moral of that story. Yeah, I think it's just because, like we were talking about before, like the similar names. Yeah. A lot of people have the name Parker, so just happens to be a Connie marries a Kenneth. Yeah, that I mean, yeah, that's probably all as it was. But at first, it makes you think. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure. I couldn't find a obituary for Connie, and I couldn't find any follow-up stories. So I assume maybe she's still alive. But maybe. she would be very old right now. She'd be in her early 90s, which isn't unreasonable. Maybe she's actually Bernie Sanders. It could be. <laughs> <laughs> you start to get so old, you can't tell if you're a male or a woman anymore. They're just androgynous. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, maybe she changed her name. Who knows? I mean, I, oh, that's I don't true. Know. Too. Yeah, so she I, could get a lot of bad press from this. Yeah, that's what that was. My first thought is like she wanted to just put it all behind her because people are probably aren't going to look at her in a good light. Oh, definitely. I was doing research for all of this on mostly like using Google. Whenever you type anything into Google that has the word lottery in it, it's just advertisements and. Basically, just these bullshit articles trying to like the uh, clickbait articles. Oh, yeah. 50 fucking in a row clickbait. It's horrible. I can imagine. Yeah. So there's also a man named Richard Delesco. Now, one of the craziest things that I could happen is winning the lottery while you are in the middle of a divorce. Now, this could be the worst possible timing to come into a large sum of money and would deeply complicate the process. Richard Zalesko of Pontiac, Michigan, 
took home over $38 million from the Mega Millions drawing in July 2013. The only problem was that he and his wife's divorce was in arbitration and waiting a decision when he won the large sum of money. Oh, okay. All right. This is going to make things nasty. Horrible timing to be that lucky. So the arbitrator, who was still set up for this case, decided that the winnings were part of joint property and awarded his ex-wife $15 million. A later appeal stated that though his winnings didn't come during the time that they were together, the purchase ticket wasn't the first, and that the former couple shared in on the losses from the previous losing tickets, which really makes sense. Yeah, that is true. I guess we don't really consider that, huh? Yeah, it's not just the one ticket you bought. It's all of the losing tickets you've bought over the years. You lose together, you win together, I guess. Yeah, and they were still married, so you're still under like the joint situation. I don't see why... Like you should have, depending on the state's laws, I should say, but you should expect to have to give up that money. I mean, in, you know, on the surface, it looks like it sucks, right? Obviously for the gentleman or whatever, the timing, but a cool 15 million, I think I could probably overlook that. Yeah. Do you remember that it was the Ashton Kutcher movie? I uh, He's been in a lot, yeah. Phil. I don't know. Oh, no. So there was an Ashton Kutcher movie. I can't remember what the name of it is, but- they uh he had gotten married to this woman in Vegas and that morning they were having an argument because they had just met the day before and gotten married that night and it happened to be that he was playing a slot machine and he won three million dollars technically they were married though okay I feel like yes this is kind of ringing bells I think that is uh what's her name Cameron uh, Diaz I think Cameron Diaz yeah, yeah. I was kind of thinking of uh the one with Brittany Murphy in it and him Oh, the boss's daughter one? Is, Is that the it? one? No. This one, they like go to Europe on their honeymoon, and then things go awry, and they end up hating each other, but of course they get back together at the end. I don't think I've seen that one. Uh, if you're looking for a romantic comedy, Phil, uh, fire that bad boy up. All right, I'll have to check Netflix for that one. <laughs> so one of the worst fears after winning a large sum of money is wondering if everyone that you meet from that point on is actually your friend. Or, in fact, just looking for monetary gains from their new cash cow, which is you. Yeah, that that unfortunately would be terrifying. Definitely. So Abraham Lee Shakespeare, born in Lakeland, Florida in the year 1966, Shakespeare had dropped out of school during the seventh grade and worked mainly as a traveling day laborer when on November 15th, 2006, he and his co-worker Michael Ford were traveling for work to Miami when they stopped for cigarettes at a Townstar convenience store in Frostproof, Florida. Michael Ford asked Abraham if he wanted anything from inside the store. Abraham told his co-worker to buy him two lottery tickets, totaling $2 of the $5 that he had had on him for that day. So each lottery ticket would have been a, a dollar. Okay, okay. The winning ticket had won Abraham $30 million, which he took the lump sum, which turned out to be $17 million before taxes. Now, Abraham Shakespeare was 40 years old at the time, quit his job as a day laborer, and moved out of his lower class neighborhood, 
buying himself a million dollar house in a gated community in North Lakeland, Florida, uh, which is good. This is what we were saying you should do. Yeah, uh, he also bought himself a Nissan Altima, which is you know not a flashy car. No, that's uh, that's other a item. That's a fill car right there. That is definitely a fill car. I would buy <laughs> if I won the lottery. You would see me in a Nissan Altima. It wouldn't be new. <laughs> no, you don't need a new one. No, it, it can be a few years old. Save some money. <laughs> you know, I don't care if I had five million dollars in the bank. Yeah, I know. I mean, I I don't really know. I mean, I I'd probably buy. A European car because I like them, but I really I probably won't buy a brand new one if I'm being honest with you. No, just go with the Nissan. It's all good. Nice little fucking uh, little town car. Drive I don't around. honestly. I don't eat. I mean, I don't mind driving, but I don't like driving that goddamn much. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, a lot of these people, when they win the lottery, they'll buy like a dozen cars and barely drive any of those around. Yeah, you don't. you don't really need that. No, you just need something good that looks decent, that's not too flashy, so people don't hit you up for money. Right. Or dress in a way that makes people think, oh shit, he spent all of his money on that car, now he doesn't have any more. That's how you do it, too. <laughs> just, uh, I well, you can't get too cheap like an 89 Trans Am, like <laughs> that other guy, then you're gonna, you get, people, people on trailers are gonna think you're balling. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Michael Ford his co-worker that had bought the tickets for Abraham demanded $1 million from Abraham and would later sue him for the money in April of 2007, claiming that Shakespeare had stolen the ticket out of Ford's wallet. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Michael Ford was unsuccessful in the lawsuit. And on October 7, 2007, he was ruled against in the suit when the jury took less than an hour to come up with the ruling. So when the jury takes that little time, it's pretty, pretty cut and dry. I mean, when you were telling the initial story right there, I'm like, oh, God, he's right in a sticky situation right here because mm -hmm. he's giving his friend money to buy him something. <sighs> yeah, Ugh. I don't yeah. know. It's it's, it's it's the possession, though, not the buying. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's just Scott. Just always walk in the store and buy it yourself. True. There's a lot of people who win the lottery and then they go back and the clerk who sold them the ticket, they'll throw them like 20 grand or buy him a car or do something nice for him. Hell yeah. Buy That's him a, a nice thing to do. Buy him a Hulkamania shirt they can tear open. That's what I'm going to buy him. <laughs> so winning this sum of money was really hard for Shakespeare as he would soon come to realize that the people in his life that he thought were his friends were only after his money and had told his brother that he would have been better off broke. I mean, yeah. May, uh, well, I mean, outside of the money involved, this man should definitely change his name anyway. Oh, definitely. That's the best advice. <laughs> Just completely knew everything. Yeah. So these people would be Doris D.D. Moore, who met with Abraham under the guise of writing a book about the lottery winner's luck. And eventually, she would start a company with him called Abraham Shakespeare LLC for which she took control of all the company's funds. Oh, damn. She's pulling on a long con here. Definitely. So she has a lot of priors for like fraud and tax evasion. Just a list of shit where you would say, oh, I could see her moving into this next. Yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, maybe he's not. Is it, I'm assuming this is a romantic relationship, correct? 
No, it wasn't. Really? Yeah. Wow. She had just conned him into starting this company. Wow. Holy shit. Okay, yep. so she's pretty crafty. Yep, wasn't even fucking him. Just <laughs> I mean, maybe she did, but it doesn't it didn't mention anything about that. So soon after, Dee Dee would withdraw $1 million from the firm and buy herself a $70,000 Corvette, a Hummer, a truck, and a vacation, later claiming that the money was a gift from Abraham Shakespeare. What? If you're taking that much money, why are you buying those things? Yeah, exactly. Just... Jesus Christ. Just embezzle the money and hide it. What What are you doing? I, I got... Yeah. A cor- like, you know she's white trash. She's got a pickup, she got a Corvette, and a fucking Hummer. Yeah. She might as well have bought that Trans Am. I... I <laughs> doctor. You know, this is an antique Trans Am from a man who lost all his money after winning the lottery. It's real special around here. Got a footprint gas pedal. It's got that chain <laughs> steering wheel on there. It's got the... She uh, bought one of the original General Lee's. <laughs> oh, God. So in April of 2009, Dee Dee calls James Moore, an ex-boyfriend, to dig a hole to bury some trash and concrete in her yard and was called again two hours later to come fill that hole after he had finished. James told investigators that because it was dark, he could not see what was inside of the hole. He knew what was in that goddamn hole. I'm thinking maybe, yeah. But in November of 2009... Abraham Shakespeare's cousin, Cedric Odom, filed a missing persons report on Abraham. The police declared him missing on November 24th, 2009. Yeah, I, I think we know where this is going. Oh, yeah, it's, it's not hard to see the writing on the wall. So Dee Dee is immediately interviewed by police and asked about her relationship to Abraham Shakespeare LLC and also about the missing $1 million dollars. And why Abraham was taken off of the company's accounts. What is she going to be like? I don't know nothing about no million dollars, but check this out. And she just beeps <laughs> her fucking car alarm. Ain't that sweet? I got them suicide doors on that Corvette now. Ain't that cool? You see that that footprint gas pedal? That won't cheat. <laughs> it's much easier to push down than a regular gas pedal, boy. I tell you what. <laughs> so Dee Dee was still claiming that Abraham was in fact alive and that he was trying to escape everyone that had their hands out. Dee Dee would also try to pay people off and have them make phone calls pretending to be Abraham, also trying to have them claim that they had seen Abraham recently and even offered an undercover police officer $50,000 to take the blame for Abraham's death. What? Yeah, at the time, it wasn't even confirmed that he was dead or murdered. She had actually gotten in touch with someone who was already working with the police, and they are the one who set up the undercover police officer to come talk to her about taking the blame. Wow, okay. So she's not very yeah. bright. No, not at all. She was definitely grasping at straws. Okay. Dee Dee was formally charged on February 19th, 2010, and convicted of first-degree murder in 2012. She was sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. Abraham had been found under a concrete slab in her backyard, dead as a result of being shot with a 38 caliber Smith & Wesson revolver. I mean, you can't just install a fucking concrete pool in your backyard and nobody's going to ask about it. 
Yeah, I don't, it wasn't a pool. It was a slab. No, I but. I know. I'm just yeah. kidding. It's a redneck pool <laughs> oh, here, yeah. but uh, I'm a fucking idiot. Is that a true crime thing where anytime you see a redneck with a pool in his backyard, he has a body underneath it? <laughs> I mean, that's the first thing I would suspect if anybody had a goddamn weird concrete block in their yard for no reason. <laughs> just out in the middle of the yard. <laughs> yeah, like. There's no reason that should be there unless you're making like a sidewalk or like a little gazebo or something. I don't know. Yeah, at least put a gazebo over it. Yeah. She had the money. <laughs> I don't the know. only problem was that basically she had told a few people, including, I believe, the investigate, the undercover cop, where the body was. Also about the revolver. Yeah. Yeah. She's uh, a terrible person, obviously. Poor. Uh, Poor uh, uh, Shakespeare here, but man, she's an idiot. I was a little worried that you had already heard about this story from like the true crime stuff. Because this is one of like a decently popular one. Popular one. Yeah, I guess that's what you call it. Popular true crime story. It sounds like kind of familiar, but I, I mean, I didn't know the details or anything about it. Yeah, the thing is, it's only she only killed one person. And it's not like there was a big investigation into it. They knew right away it was her. So, <laughs> Yeah, you, you can't take money, install a big concrete slab in your backyard, buy all these Corvettes, and then assume you're not going to get caught. And then the worst part, well, the worst part was killing the dude, but she started offering people money to make phone calls as him. Those people would basically just go straight to the cops and be like, this weird lady's, you know. Yeah, like the people. Yeah, she's very dumb. Yeah. So I also found some really good advice. There was a lot of different websites out there. Every time the lottery gets up to like $200 million, all these websites will churn out an article trying to get the clickbait. Mm. So here's some of the advice that these articles give. Immediately hire a financial advisor and a lawyer. Also, you really should try to set the money up as a trust. And if allowed by your state government, have that trust claim the prize and not yourself. Yeah, I've I've heard that before. Yeah. Also, it says you shouldn't collect the money right away because in most cases you have a year to claim the prize. So you should get things set up beforehand. Yeah, I've heard that before. Like if you win, call a lawyer immediately. That's what I've heard. Call a lawyer before you call a state lottery. Yeah, yeah, that's what I've heard. Yeah. So another one is be wary of anyone, not your financial advisor, offering financial advice, especially unsolicited financial advice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that should be good advice, regardless if you have a shitload of money or not. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good advice for anybody. Yeah. If you have a thousand or a million dollars in the bank. Yeah. Be careful who tries to convince you to do shit. Yeah, you don't know what their motives are. No. This one is a little bit colder, but be prepared to cut off friends and family if necessary. Yeah, it's it, it's kind of a sad truth, I guess. Um, but uh yeah, kinda it's it's kinda what you have to do in certain situations. Definitely. Also, move away from wherever you were previously located to a safer and more affluent community where others in the area already have money. And they aren't looking to take yours. <laughs> they'll probably spit on you and call you the poor person in the neighborhood. Oh, yeah. They'll call you new money and be all shitty to you for that reason. But at least they're not trying to take your money. 
Yeah, that that's a good point. I don't know if going to Florida is the best idea. Yeah, uh, I would much rather take being treated like an asshole with new money than having my ass kissed by people who are trying to take my money. It's a much better situation because at least in that situation, I get to keep my money. That's true. Some other advice that I found, don't play if you don't already have money, which sounds like weird advice, but actually kind of makes sense when you think about it. Because if you already have money, you're already set up to get more money. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, it is kind of shitty feeling though when like rich people win a lot of money. Oh, when someone's already a millionaire? Yeah. There's another story I didn't mention, a guy named Jack Whitaker who was already worth millions of dollars before he won over $100 million. I mean, the world doesn't really need that. No, it was a really sad story. It was just so long. So basically, at one point, his car had gotten broken into, and he had kept money in briefcases. He had lost $500,000 from that briefcase being stolen out of his car. Just cash. He just kept cash in a briefcase. Just cash. He would just hand it out to people who wanted money or had an idea for something, he would just hand cash to him. He also was almost the victim of basically a stripper and the manager of the strip club were going to drug him and take his money. He was almost the victim of that. Jesus. Yeah. Poor son of a bitch. Yeah. He was hounded by lawsuits, hounded by people who wanted his money. His Daughter, granddaughter, and his granddaughter's boyfriend had all died from drug overdoses. He actually just died in June 2020, not too long ago. Okay, I would say that man sounds cursed. Yeah, oh, that is definitely Curse of the Lottery. <laughs> it's just that it was such a long story. Yeah. I would have to put all those points in it, and it would take forever. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. you you broke it down pretty good there. But uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. How are you feeling about this, Phil? Um, I mean, I would still want to win. I would just, after reading all of these, I would definitely be a lot more careful. Yeah, I guess that'd be the advice I give to everybody. Uh, you know, there's a sad high statistic of people who win the lottery that end up kind of worse than they started out with, which at first doesn't make sense. But then when you really think about it, like, yeah, they aren't heeding any, you know, proper advice. So, I would say, you know, I hope whoever you are, you win the lottery, uh, you know, regardless of your standing standing in society, like uh, just be smart with it and don't get too overzealous with buying a bunch of horse shit that you really don't need. Yeah, well, we were just talking about uh, before the show started that last dance documentary. And if you watch that, Michael Jordan's life, like now... He's a little bit, he's still famous, but he's not as famous he was as in the 90s. His life during that time was mostly like secluded. He pretty much just lived in hotel rooms. And if he did get out, he was hounded by people. Imagine how isolated of a life that is. That you might have to live a life like that if you win that money and stay in your neighborhood. Yeah, that that's a good point. I mean, he obviously is damn near one of the most famous people in the world, um, but... Uh... But yeah, you'll probably get hounded for a while at least. Yeah. And the good thing about him is he started making money, but it's not like he was an overnight billionaire. He's not like it right now. He's mega, mega millionaire, maybe a billionaire, but he didn't start out with that money. He started out with a rookie contract and a signing bonus, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Hmm. He worked his way up to that money. 
Well, Phil, uh, if anybody has won the lottery and wants to tell us about it, where can they do that? Yeah, if you know anyone who won the lottery, that was a part of our other conspiracy was, have you ever met anyone who actually won the lottery? But ah. if you know anyone who has a lottery horror story that actually happened to someone you know, uh, send it into subliminaldpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we've gotten a couple emails over the past few weeks. Uh, we appreciate those from you guys. We're also taking any death pool nominations for Jezeline Maxwell. Still uh, working on that right now. We also have an Instagram account, Subliminal Deception Podcast on IG. Uh, really good to hear from everybody. Cody and I also have our own Instagram accounts. Mine's SD Pod Phil. I am using it now, and I'm talking to people, trying to make new contacts. Cody. Yeah, you can follow my personal Instagram at Cody Zabub. Uh, you can message me, talk about whatever you want, give a, the give us some show ideas, you know, anything like that. Uh, the other thing we need you to do is to log on to iTunes and leave the show a five-star review. doesn't really matter what you say. Just put something in there. Um, if you're a Spotify listener, just hit that follow button. That's kind of like their version of reviews, I guess. Um, otherwise, yeah, excellent job, Phil. I think people are really going to enjoy this, even though... It's a lot of tragedy in here, uh, but otherwise, we will see you guys next week. All right. Thanks, guys. 